0: Bless God, he is here by his Holy Spirit and he's here to bless and to meet us at our point of need, unique though that need is to every single one of us as individuals, he is a God who is able to meet your unique need tonight. We're going to read together from the book of Jonah once again. And a single verse, a single verse tonight, Jonah chapter 3, you'd be glad that we are now in the second half of the book, after just 10 sessions. This is our 10th study, we come into chapter 3, and uh, just a single verse tonight. Verse 1, then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. That's worth a second read. <laughs> then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Let us pray. Almighty God, our loving Heavenly Father, how special it is to be found in this place tonight with God's people, on the Lord's day. In this place of worship. Knowing. The presence of almighty God. In our midst. How humbled we are. How privileged we are. How blessed. We are. For you are a God who comes. Right now. And endeavours to minister to each of us. And Father, we need your ministry. We have come here bruised and battered. Scarred and hurting. But oh, God is here. God is here. And by your Holy Spirit, Father, in and through the precious shed blood of your Son, our Savior Jesus, you are able to heal, to touch, to minister, and to meet us, every everyone, at our point of need. Oh, Father... Give us the faith tonight, the faith tonight to receive. Blow away all the cobwebs. Blow away the mist that hinders our focus on the things of God. Blow away all our preconceptions, misconceptions. Just give us the faith to believe. And say yes to your second chance. Hallelujah. Minister through these scriptures, we pray. In the name of Jesus. Amen. So we come, brethren, to what I believe is one of the most sublime phrases in all of Scripture. Most sublime phrases. In all of Scripture. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. A second time. I can think of other great passages. That parallel these verse. this verse. But I know of no passage that illustrates so perfectly. So tenderly so clearly the way God deals with man. The way God deals with this man. Dugathus. There are other scriptures that communicate this truth, of course. I think of the book of Lamentations. The writer there is in the dungeon when he cries out to God that God would rescue him and suddenly there comes that realization that because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. Great is your faithfulness. Lamentations 3.22-23 Then I think of Ephesians 2.3-5 The Apostle Paul states that by nature we are objects of wrath. But, he says, praise God for the buts in Scripture. But, he says, because of God's great love for us, who is rich in mercy, he has made us alive with Christ. It is by grace you have been saved. Or I can think of the climax of Romans 8 verse 1. Therefore, says the Apostle Paul, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Great texts in Scripture. These certainly are. But for me, none surpasses this text of Jonah 3 verse 1. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Friends, we are talking here about the theology of the second chance. And in this dispensation of the Holy Spirit, I believe. In fact, I am dependent upon God's second chance. Extended to me and to His own. Hallelujah. God delights in coming a second time. I am reminded of that great hymn by John Newton. Arguably his greatest hymn. In evil long I took delight. Within this wonderful hymn we have a phrase which mentions our Lord's second Luke. For Newton cries out, Where shall my trembling soul be hid? For I, the Lord, have slain. A second Luke He gave, which said, I freely all forgive. A second look, he gave and said, I freely all forgive. Our God is the God of the second look. Unlike you and I, friends, God doesn't hold grudges. He came to Jonah a second time. I guess that between the end of chapter 2 and the beginning of chapter 3, Jonah lived in a state of uncertainty, a state of wondering. He would wonder if God would ever meet with him again. He wondered if God would ever speak to him again. He wondered if ever he could be used of Jehovah God again. God certainly did not have to use Jonah again. God would have been certainly entirely justified in never coming back to Jonah. But God came to Jonah a second time. From experience, I know how Jonah must have felt. There is nothing more painful, more unsettling than having... A taste of divine usefulness. And then perhaps because of, of sin. Or perhaps we've grieved the Holy Spirit some way. A fear that God has perhaps finished with us. That we'll never hear His tender voice again. That we'll never know the indwelling Holy Spirit again. That we'll never be in active spiritual service again. I know how He felt. However, it should give us great comfort to realize that the best of God's servants, the best of God's servants, have made foolish mistakes, but were used again. Hallelujah. Abraham, he made foolish mistakes, but God used him again. Jacob, David. Simon, Peter, and I could go on. These are to name just a few. They made terrible mistakes, but God used them again. God came to them, if you like, a second time. Are you feeling overlooked by God? Are you feeling cast out? By the Almighty. My friends, God came to Jonah a second time. Hallelujah. And God is coming to you and I, my friends, a second time. With this in mind, allow me to highlight certain principles that lie behind God's dealings with men. The first principle is this. I'm going to travel quickly, so hold on to your seats. The first principle is this, that God is obligated to no man. God is obligated to no man. We need to be clear about this, friends. God is not obligated to any man, any woman. You see... The reason for this is simple. To use the language of Jonathan Edwards of old, man is God's natural enemy. Oh, how the Christian church in these days needs to relearn this truth. We as men, as women, are God's natural enemies. Does that surprise you? You see, by nature... We are all that God is not. Consider the Apostle Paul's candid description of humankind in Romans chapter 3. By way of example, 13 through 16, The throats are open graves, he said. Their tongues practice deceit. The poison of vipers is on their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Ruin and misery mark their ways. Who's he talking about? He's talking about my heart. And yours. I am. You are a natural enemy of God. God. God is not obligated to you or I. Jesus said of men in John 3.19 that they loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. And for this reason, my friends, God is not obligated to man. And the Christian church needs to rediscover this truth. Too often when a person gets a taste of religion, or even if they darken the door of a church, they get the idea, somehow, some way that they are doing God a favor. God have mercy. Others believe that if they perform a kind or pious act, perhaps by pledging a donation on Red Nose Day, or by giving to children in need, that they are doing something for God. People get the idea that they have become that when they become Christians, they're doing God a favor. It's nonsense, my friends. Point of fact, the very opposite is true. When we become Christians, God is doing us. Us a favor. Beloved, when God Comes in mercy, by definition it means that he does not have to do it. Think about that. When God comes in mercy, withholding from us what we deserve, his wrath, by definition he does not have to do it. When we realize just how much we have rejected Him, when we realize just how often we live in disobedience, just how much we live according to the flesh, the miracle of miracles tonight, my friends, is that God should come to us at all. God can give mercy, He can withhold it. God can save a soul, He can damn us all. God is not obligated in any way. But bless God tonight, God came to Jonah a second time. Hallelujah. Insofar as Jonah was concerned, God did not have to send the wind, but he did. God did not have to prepare the fish, but he did. God did not have to eject Jonah from the fish. But he did. God did not have to come to Jonah a second time. But he did. Hallelujah. God wasn't obliged to Jonah. But he came to him a second time. Oh, the wondrous mystery of the love of God. The second principle is this that God voluntarily obligated Himself to faith. Oh, this is fascinating. And we're now doing, uh, I suppose, first degree level theology. So come on, brethren. We're on the meat of the Word here. God voluntarily obligated Himself of faith. Isn't that wonderful? It's a remarkable thing to see. God did not have to do this. He didn't have to do it. But he voluntarily obligated himself to faith. This goes back to the Old Testament, surprise, surprise, to Genesis in point of fact. We're familiar with the life of the patriarch Abraham, who, remember, was the Apostle Paul's chief illustration of the doctrine of justification by faith. God, remember, gave Abraham a series of promises. And Abraham believed that God would be true to these promises, even to the point of sacrificing his own son Isaac. But at the moment he began to slay Isaac, the voice came from heaven and said, Genesis 22, verse 12, Do not lay a hand on the boy. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld me from me your son, your only son. And then, brethren, then, after Abraham had practiced faith, Then in 22.15, the scripture says, The angel of the Lord came to Abraham and spoke out of heaven, listen, a second time. Fascinating, isn't it? The angel of the Lord came and spoke a second time. This time, it was an oath. First came the promise. Abraham believed the promise. He exercised faith. Then, came a second voice There came the oath. God says, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sea on the seashore. Hallelujah, friends. God obligated himself to faith. Thus we have the basis of the oath. God's coming the second time brought the the oath, the pledge, that according to His mercy, God swore to honor Abraham's faith. My friends, tonight, according to His promise and according to His pledge, through Abraham, that came through Jesus Christ, His Son, God the Almighty tonight, has obligated Himself to faith. Wow! Wow. I say wow. Because we, I trust, are men and women of faith. Hallelujah. And God has obligated himself not to Doug Atherton, but to Doug Atherton's faith. Hallelujah. Isn't that amazing? God has promised to honor My faith unto salvation. Hallelujah. I'm saved tonight. He's promised to honor my faith unto sanctification. Hallelujah. I'm sanctified by the indwelling Holy Spirit. I'm set apart unto service. God has promised to honor my faith. He's pledged my faith. My friends, this is a big, big deal. <laughs> Paul says in Romans 10, 9 through 10, 11, he says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, listen, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, what? You will be saved. Why? Because I'm Doug Atherton? No. Why? Because he's made a promise to me through Abraham, through Christ, to honor my faith. Hallelujah. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that exciting? Isn't it humbling? It's humbling. Remember friends, without faith it's impossible to please God. For anyone who comes to God must believe that He exists. And that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. But God honors faith. He's obligated Himself to faith. Oh, I could be here all day. I'm probably overprepared. Third principle is this. Listen up that God ties himself to faith because it is God who gives faith. God ties himself to faith because it is God who gives faith. God, James 1.18, chose. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth by I recently saw a program on Christian television that was featuring the ministry of an American faith healer and evangelist throughout his ministry this faith healer kept using an expression that unsettled me he kept using the expression turn your faith loose turn your faith loose the more he used it the more it unsettled me, the more silly and nonsensical an utterance I felt it was. You see, friends, this expression implies that all men have faith and they only need to turn it loose. Scripture tells us that not everyone has faith because faith is a gift of God and God has obligated Himself To faith. Paul writes in 2 Thessalonians 3 verse 2. Not everyone has faith. Paul writes in Ephesians 2 verse 1. For by nature man is dead in his transgressions and sins. If we are so dead, we cannot of ourselves, of our natural selves, exercise faith. Something must happen. God, by His grace and mercy and by His Holy Spirit, grants us the gift of faith. Some call it prevenient grace. The grace that comes before our salvation. He somehow, someway sheds His light on our hearts and lives and by prevenient grace, we exercise faith. Isn't that amazing? And so it is, my friends, We by nature could never have believed. But God. But God. Somehow, someway saw me. A speck upon a speck upon a speck in His universe. (laughs) Saw me. And decided to exercise my spirit by His Holy Spirit. And grant me faith. Hallelujah. And remember... He's obligated himself to honor my faith. And so with a very simple childlike cry for I was only 13 years of age, I understood nothing except this, I needed Jesus. I understood nothing except this, I was conscious of my sin, my wrong. I understood that much. And with an uncomplicated, simplistic cry of faith, I looked heaven wiped. And friends, at that instant, heaven came down <laughs> and glory filled my soul. Hallelujah. Why? Because I was a good guy? Not at all. Why? Because I knew it all? Not at all. Why? Because I'm together? Not at all. Because God, by His Holy Spirit, shed His light on my heart and allowed me to exercise faith. And God has obli- obligated Himself to... Move, moving quickly, the fourth principle. Oh, gosh. The fourth principle is this. That God accommodates us with language we can understand. Hallelujah. I'm a scouser, you see. There's little in the way of language that I do understand. But God spoke to Doug Atherton in such a way. I understood. I understood. Hallelujah. To put it another way, God communicates his word to us by way of accommodation. And this, of course, is because of our frailty. The Lord meets with us on our level and speaks to us in a way that we as simple people can comprehend. We've already considered God's words to Abraham in Genesis 22 verse 12. Do not lay a hand on the boy. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God, because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Now listen, interesting. These verses imply that God learned something here that he previously did not know. This expression, Now I know that you fear God. It suggests that God didn't know this before. But of course, God is omniscient. God is all knowing. Of course God knew this before, otherwise he wouldn't be God. But this statement in Genesis 22 verse 12, and many, many, many like it, is the language of accommodation. God is accommodating Abraham with his simple talk. Praise God for that tonight, my friends, because you don't need to look somehow some way for God to speak in some extraordinary dynamic. Just allow God to speak to you the way you know, the way you understand. Don't seek to understand the gospel from Doug Atherton's perspective. You won't. You'll be more confused, believe me. Don't seek to understand the perspective from Matthew Henry or from William Barclay or from uh, R.G. France or any of the great great theologians. You won't. Just endeavor to understand the gospel message from where you are sat. Because God has promised to come And speak to you in a language that you understand. Isn't that amazing? The thing when you read Jonah throughout the four chapters is. It's simple, simple language to a simple, simple man. God came to him a second time. And when my friend God comes. He comes and speaks to us in a way, in a language that is accommodating for you. And for me. Because God is a God of love. And God wants to meet with us tonight. And so my friends. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. I wonder. Do you feel tonight sat here that you've missed God's purpose for your life? Do you feel you've grieved the Holy Spirit when you knew God had his finger on your spiritual pulse but the battle was too great, the sacrifice, too much and you held back. My friends, be encouraged. God came to Jonah a second time and just perhaps tonight he's coming to you and He say, My child, That job I had for you. That gift that I gave you those years ago. I'm coming to you a second time. I'm granting you my grace a second time. You don't deserve it. (laughs) Who of us do? But he's coming a second time. Isn't that wonderful? And perhaps, my friend, you've heard the gospel message And you know deep down that God was speaking to you unto salvation. But again, the sacrifice, it's too great. The consequences you're not sure of. And you've pushed the Holy Spirit to one side. And you've neglected the promptings of the Holy Spirit unto salvation. My friends, bless God tonight. God in His grace and by His mercy is coming to you a second time. And He's saying to you, My my, my dear child, come to me. Come to me, you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come to me. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Come to me, for my yoke is easy, pleasant my burden, light hallelujah God's word came to Jonah a second time just perhaps tonight the word of the Lord is speaking into your inner person a second time oh my friend I urge you with every fiber of my being now is the accepted time now is the day of salvation and if God is granting you faith then be sure of this he has obligated himself to that faith And as you exercise that faith to salvation, to sanctification, for a greater anointing in service and ministry, as you exercise that faith, God has pledged to honor that faith. Wow. Maybe you're praying as our dear sister Barbara is praying for loved ones. What does God honor? He honors your faith. He has bound Himself by covenant promise to your faith. Do you believe in God for the salvation of loved ones? Are Are you believing God for the salvation of loved ones? God has pledged Himself to your faith. Isn't that something? Wow! That brings a different perspective to our praying, doesn't it? No longer praying in the dark with a wild hope. For praying with a sense of biblical authority. And what's our heart cry as Herbie cried for, for the community of Trashland? What's our heart cry? That the community of Trashland might hear the gospel and find Jesus. Are you praying in faith? Because God has promised. He's obliged to honor your faith. Friends, this is like like living in perpetual revival, which is where the Christian church should be. No talk about revival in the early first century Christian church, because they were living the norm. This was the norm. Living in perpetual revival, living in the the blessing of God perpetually, where thousands were being added to the number, day after day after day after day. And you say, "Ah, well, that was just for the first century church. Why do you say that? Do we have a different Holy Spirit today as they did? Of course not. Are we not enjoying the same dispensation of the Holy Spirit's anointing as they did? Of course we are. So what's changed? Has God failed to be true to His Word? No, no. Has God divorced Himself of this promise, this obligation to faith? Not at all. What's changed? Our faith. Or the lack of. Wow. God has obligated himself to faith. As God by his Spirit comes right now and allows us to exercise faith. My friend, be sure. Be sure. Not because the gathered and said, because God has promised. Be sure God will honor your faith to salvation, to sanctification, to service. Wow. Let's pray. Father, what a word this is. We really ought not need to be reminded of it, but we do. What a word this is. Father, you've obligated yourself to faith. Hallelujah. And you've shed your light upon my heart that I might exercise faith. Oh, Father, release me from the things of this world that bind, that I might exercise faith unto salvation, sanctification, and service. For thy kingdom's sake we pray. Amen.